Alrighty, how was your Fortnite forecast? My Fortnite forecast was actually so much better than last oh, week. Oh yeah, Can last couple it? weeks. Yeah, yeah. So, oh yeah, that's yeah. Right. Fortnite, two weeks. Gosh, it has been two weeks. It has, it didn't feel like it. That's how much I've been doing. I'm like, I'm so busy and successful. I promise I'm successful this time. So uh, during my Fortnite forecast, I was hoping to go get some clay pretty much the next day after we had recorded. And I was also hoping to do some throwing. I was hoping to do a live cast. And um, I actually, actually got some other stuff done Sweet. too. So I did all the things that I wanted to do. So I, I went and picked up all the clay. I had some extra money, so I was able to snag some extra new glazes to try. Awesome. I worked on Izzy Swan's mug. I saw that. Um, that was a request from him. So I, I did that mock-up, and that actually led to some more business, which is exciting. Yeah, I really like the texture on that mug. And I, that was cool. Yeah, so I made you yeah, one, too. I appreciate it. That's so cool. I can't wait to, like, see the process. <laughs> and I think you asked, a, like, a color request, but go nuts. Like, try something new. Mm -hmm. I don't – I'm totally – I'm just stoked to see that awesome. mug. Like, the – I'm stoked to see that the logo worked on the mug, but I really like that texture on the mug. Yeah. So, Yeah. Yeah, I was a little worried um, because I had tried to use the cutter that I made with your logo a few times, and it was like, it's so detailed oh, that it's kind of hard to deal with. But I got some successful cookies from it, so I, I did the badge, and I was, like, super excited. I was going to surprise you, but then oh, I was like, cool. oh, this is just too cool. I have to share it. Um so I got to kind of like show how complex I could do yeah. and then, you know, how simple with Izzy's. So I got a few orders from cool. that and I've started on those, which is exciting. Um, also, uh, Crossel Dylan and I are going to be doing a swap, like a little maker swap. So she's going to make me something that's in her, her wheelhouse nice. and I am going to make her a mug. Awesome. Um, which I already started on. So that was like my bonus, like, Oh, I did this extra thing, and so well, that, I said I was going to live stream. That way you can fire them all together, so right? So I was live streaming that. Yeah, yeah. So, like, unlike woodworking where you can just do one-offs mm -hmm. with pottery, you have to kind of fill up an entire kiln with pieces. Otherwise, like, you're wasting a lot of energy trying to fire pieces. Yeah. So it takes me about a month to get enough work to fill the kiln. And then it's um, pretty much like a 24-hour session of just firing without glaze. Then you glaze. Maybe that takes you like three days, depending on how detailed you want to get with your glazing. If you're just dipping, it's like a few hours. But if you want to uh, do mixing different glazes and painting and different applications, it takes a bit longer. So it can be anywhere from like two days to a week of decorating all those pieces that you just yeah. fired. And then... Um, from there, you do the glaze firing, and that's like, it's pretty much another 24-hour session of the kiln heating up and then cooling down and, yeah. and finding out what, whether or not things worked or not. <laughs> Surprise. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's like Christmas every time, to be honest, and those are probably like the, the more fun live streams that I do where it's like, okay, we're going to open the kiln and see what we've got, especially if I've got a new glaze or a new clay body yeah. and that's a lot of fun so well cool that's yeah exciting. so how was your how did yours turn out your Fortnite forecast well did you have the nope, baby not yet we are uh we're counting down i think it's i, th I think now it's really going to be any day now because she's actually starting to have contractions and um the the actual due date is the 26th but i don't think she's going to last that long she's she's waddling mm -hmm. pretty good so we will Hopefully the next uh, Fortnite, uh, Fortnite, uh, the update, update will have uh, will have a baby. If I can, <laughs> you are sleep deprived I know. already. If I can keep everything straight, that would help. But um, yeah, it's been pretty good. Uh, I had a couple more orders from the the same gentleman that ordered the buffalo, so that's pretty cool. It's uh, the Oh, this is the emergency yeah, logo, right? Yeah, so I got some, uh, it's a Screaming Eagle logo. I think it's an Air Force or something like that. So that'd be kind of cool. Sweet. Small logos. And so 
little small projects here and there to kind of fill the gap. And then um, the I still haven't heard back on color on colors for the plaque yet. So that's that's just kind of one of those in the wings, I guess, for now. But, it's a, a lingering yeah, yeah. project. Huh? But, uh, in other new, in good news though, I got the shop completely cleaned, and I was super excited. In fact, yeah. Um, uh, so what prompted the shop being cleaned was I stumbled across. Well, I was looking for a planer. I've been looking for one for the shop for a while, and after a couple of bum deals on Craigslist and like not being the first one and everything, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna give up. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna set this aside for now, and I'm just gonna create some alerts on Craigslist, right? And so I set the alerts all up on like Wednesday and Thursday. And uh, Friday rolled around and I was like, I've been looking for this planner for so long, I forgot that I also have been really wanting a GoPro. So I went ahead and ordered one and I was so super stoked about it. I ordered it before lunch on Friday, one o'clock on Friday, guess what popped up on my Craigslist alert? Yeah, no way. a planner. So planner. I was like, great. Yeah. So, and so like I, uh, so I contacted the lady and she was like, oh cool, you're right around the corner from me no less. And I was like, even better. And she agreed to, to meet like right after I got out of work and it was just within my budget and it was probably the, a much bigger planer than I was looking to get, which is even cooler. Um, mm-hmm. just needed a little, you were, you were looking at the when, like we yeah, have, the, I was looking at a little inch. lunchbox planer, but this is actually bigger than that. I mean, the, the, the cut is about the same, but it's all cast iron. And so it actually has, um, like a casted base and, um, like a casted table, uh, and it's one piece for the table with a couple of rollers in it. It's the the model number is Hitachi F one thousand and A, and so it's a it's a planer and a joiner. And so, but the cool part about it is a lot of the planer joiner combos usually require you to move the mo- the head or the top of the planer out of the way for you to use it. Um, that takes away from your setup that you already have so if you need to joint something and then plane it you can't Mm -hmm. join more boards because you just converted the machine this one the cool part about it is is the motor runs a shaft that runs both two independent sets of blades so just it's like a joiner just slammed up against a planer really really close and they run off the same motor and so i really thought that was cool and the crazy part was i didn't realize the planer bed on or the joiner bed on it is like with the wings up like 63 inches or something it's crazy oh yeah. wow yeah that's crazy. yeah and so it's a, it's still just a six inch wide joiner but it does have like the you can the cast you know fence and everything so you can lay it down and whatnot and mm-hmm. uh, i was just shocked and i wound up getting it for a really good deal and it needed a little bit of cleanup because it had a bunch of surface rust but um so i was Saturday, I did that Saturday, and uh, I probably right after I got it all cleaned up, my GoPro arrived. So <laughs> I played with that the rest of the day. Yeah, and it was super awesome. fun, and immediately went and found a um, a pull chain from a fan, like a big big puller ch- pull chain, and um, oh, that yeah, way I can I uh, Jimmy Deresta the the GoPro. <laughs> so. Nice. Heidi, so you want to jump into this episode? (laughs) Sure. We actually had a really great interview with Adam from Maker Table. And what was the most interesting for me, and I don't know for you too, but um, I thought it was so cool, his story about where he came from and kind of how he just decided one day, like, I'm going to make a plasma table. And then I'm going to see where this is going to lead me. So... Yeah, getting from That's the food industry, incredible. getting from the food industry all the way to a metal fab shop is a crazy story. But it um, really it's definitely a very inspiring story of how you can start a small business out of your garage. Let's roll that beautiful bean footage. All right, man. Well, uh, well, I guess we get rolling in some of these questions. Um, we have a good icebreaker to kind of get started on these podcasts because everybody comes from a different like walk of life, so to speak. So uh, the the first one's kind of funny, but uh, what's your main mode of transportation to kind of get around? <laughs> um, I guess uh, my truck right now. I've got a uh, F450 with one of the famous six blows in it, and uh, just hoping it doesn't blow up on me. I gotcha. Is that so? You use that uh, in in the shop as well? Yeah, I mean, I've I've never thought of it as uh, that exciting of a vehicle because it's just a super work truck. I got an aluminum dump bed on it. Um, I can put like 
4,000 pounds in the bed and not even worry about it. Um, so I, I pretty much thrash on it. I, uh, I had a salesperson call me trying to get me to buy a new truck and he's like, what do you tow? And I'm like, I don't really tow. I'll like go and I'll put like 4,000 pounds in the bed. And he's like, well, this can tow 6,000 pounds. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not towing. Like I need to go pick up steel. Um, so he didn't quite get it that, uh, yeah, we need a little heavier truck to do steel. He thought I was like towing a boat or something on the weekends. I'm like, no, I, I got steel back there every day and that's our raw material transport really our we have a forklift but it's broken so we just back we just back the truck up um straight to the table and unload the sheets um so like that's our raw material storage and then that's our transportation when we go to ship the stuff so it's pretty much always full of at least you know two thousand pounds of steel one way or the other either raw or finished but i used to ride a bike for a year i uh got rid of all my vehicles and um, rode a mountain bike around town when I lived in Modesto, California and, uh, rocked that for a year. Looked like, I guess, a homeless tweaker or something riding around on a bike, but that was a cool year. And, um, <laughs> really realized like you can get just about anywhere in town. That's, uh, like 10 minutes or less away in the same amount of time on a bike. So like, you know, when I lived in more of a concentrated, you know, populated area, bike made sense, but here it's pretty rural and, there's like no sidewalks even or streetlights and people are not looking for cyclists at all. So back to yeah. the truck. Oh, that's totally understandable, man. Yeah, it's scary. Even here, we've got bike lanes everywhere and it's still people get run over all the time. It's just not Oh jeez. Yeah. It can happen. I used to ride actually against traffic so I could see people coming towards me. They tell you to ride with traffic, but then you can't see anybody coming up behind you, so that's what I always did is just drove on the wrong side of the road or rode on the wrong side of the road. And then I could dip out into the ditch or whatever. Anytime somebody got too close or wasn't watching. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, give us a little bit of a rundown on your vocation. We understand that you kind of stumbled into deciding that you wanted to build this big fabrication table, but you've been doing a lot of metal sign work. What kind of, what kind of stuff is involved in that? Um, well, right now, I really want to be a metal fab shop. That's what I like doing. I have a lot of fun um, doing stuff like uh, today and yesterday. I've been fabbing up this stainless steel tank for a food truck. And um, I've never done one like this before. And so that's still really fun for me. And I love the metal fabrication. But um, the business has become more and more about these signs and making them on the plasma table. So um, I'm fighting it with everything I have to like try and branch out and do more fab work but what's paying the bills right now is these signs that we're selling online so pretty much we um, have developed a bunch of our own designs so we're not cutting the same thing as, as other people are and they're all for the most part like personalizable not totally customizable but we can change the names and some of the graphics and stuff on most of them and that's the core of the business is people call us and uh, they want to put their name or their significant date into one of our designs and buy the sign or we're doing like business logos where we convert some artwork. So that's like the bread and butter that's really paying all our bills and funding all this growth into these other areas. Um, so with the move, we have more space back in my, my shop behind my house. We really had no room to do anything except run the plasma table and cut signs. And now we have some more space at this new shop. We've been here two weeks now. And uh, so I'm starting to pick up more fab work again, like I want to. We got a powder coat line in here that we still really don't know how to use. Um, don't tell anybody. <laughs> but, you know, we're going to figure that out, I think. And then um, I bid out getting some vinyl stickers done for the front windows and found out it was like the same exact cost just to buy a vinyl plotter. So I just bought a vinyl plotter. And now we're going to get into that and see what kind of trouble we can get into doing you know, vehicle decals and stuff, because we've already got the design and the artwork and the sales side that is basically all the same. Then just the second half of actually producing this stuff is a little bit different. Um, but we have the first half. So, you know, let's figure out the second half. So that's that's where we are, where we've been and kind of where we're going, hopefully, in the near future. I gotcha. So um, were you always kind of interested in the metal fabrication side or is this something that you've kind of found later in life? 
Um, you know, I really got into Jesse James when he was doing the Monster Garage stuff. Um, I want to say I was in like junior high at a high school somewhere in there when he was getting real big. And I always thought it was like really, really cool and super interesting. Um, these like trades people that were building stuff and, you know, with fire and, uh, you know, the, throwing the sparks and they were cussing and throwing stuff and, you know, just kind of living out loud. And so that like really piqued my curiosity. And so I signed up for a welding class in high school and I actually failed welding in high school. So uh, the teacher told me like, you'll never weld anything. This is like, he's like, some people are meant to do this and some people aren't and you're somebody that aren't. So <laughs> like I totally um, got scared away from welding all the way through high school. So um, I didn't touch it. I, I like never thought about it. I just totally got away from it. And then I got into rock crawling. My dad bought a Jeep uh, Wrangler JK. And, um, I started getting into that, but I didn't have the same bankroll as he did. So, um, I decided I was going to build a rock crawler and teach myself how to weld and fabricate. And the worst thing could happen is I'd be stranded in my own vehicle on my own time. You know, that was kind of the, the outlook. And from there, it was just tunnel vision, man. As soon as I picked up, um, that first stick welder and started cutting stuff with a bandsaw and doing the layout and planning everything. Uh, just time went away. Uh, I wasn't hungry anymore. Like it was like casino time, you know, like just tunnel vision, give me the jackpot and like wake up at three in the morning and, you know, stumble out of the building. That was, that was me when I got back into metalwork for myself, you know, not trying to pass a test. So that's how I got into it. And from there, it's, you know, it's been a whole long journey. Um, but it's, it's pretty much been obsession, I guess, since that, that time. And I think I was 20, 22 or 23 then. Now I'm 31. I gotcha. So did you kind of, um, did you always think that you would be like in business with, uh, some sort of metal fabrication or, uh, kind of when did that spark your interest, you know, to, to, to make it a business other than just uh, having it for a hobby? You know, do you said you were starting out with the rock crawlers and things like that. Um, was that always the idea is to form it into some sort of business for you? No, the, the business came later. Um, I grew up in a family business and my both my grandparents on both sides had businesses and, you know, several entrepreneurs in the family. So I've always like thought that was really interesting. And I've seen, you know, when that goes well, um, the kind of lifestyle that you can live when you own a business, um, you know, these kind of smaller, you know, type, um, you know, local businesses, um, not quite huge multinational conglomerates or whatever. But anyways, I'm getting sidetracked here. Um, so I was always interested in business and I had the itch to, to have a business, um, but I never thought metal work was going to be it. Honestly, I thought uh, I was going to keep doing the food industry like my family was doing at the time. Um, but that business shut down and uh, had to go out on my own and had this conversation with my wife, like, hey, do I chase the money or do I chase my passion? Because my money skill was like commodity trading and this real kind of white collar, you know, grocery category manager skill set, which pays great, but it's boring. It's super high stress. And um, basically you're working you know, for every holiday ad, that's, you know, that's the big thing is they push these big holiday ads and that's your, uh, where they tighten the screws on you as a category manager. So, um, I talked to the wife and she said, you know, I don't care about the money. Like we'll be fine. Do what you like and, uh, we'll see if we can make it work. So, um, that's when I started looking at metal fabrication as a career, not really quite a business yet, but I got in the iron workers union and they started teaching me some skills and getting me some certifications and actually showing me what metal work was really all about. And, uh, from there I opened my first Etsy store, uh, started getting scrap material, um, from job sites and started getting hooked up with some tools. Some superintendents saw that I liked doing the stuff on my free time. So they started giving me tools or selling me tools off the job site for really cheap so I could get started. And they really kind of, you know, I, I mean, I bought the stuff, most of the stuff, but they kind of helped fund the beginning of the entrepreneurial side where, um, you know, I started getting the tools and I had some of the skills to have a business because I'd done a couple other businesses in the past that never took off. And uh, that's where, you know, really started to click and I started experimenting with things. 
you talked a little bit about Jesse James being one of your influences. Are there any others besides like the people that were around you that you saw in the industry that you were like, yeah, that's, that's the direction I want to go in. You know, I had a, uh, a fabricator named Spud that was, uh, did a lot of stuff for my dad and he was super talented and he did uh, parts for MotoGP, the super bikes. And I thought that was really interesting. And also had a guy named Brian Sturgill that worked for my dad. And he was like all about, he was kind of like real life Jesse James for me. He did uh, dropped and bag trucks. He made custom choppers. Like he, he did that stuff on his free time. And he even owned his own shop for a little while until the, the city shut him down, I think for some, some ventilation code stuff that, you know, is pretty wonderful for California, um, which is another reason why we got out of there. But those are the two people, Spud and, uh, and Brian definitely uh, showed me some real stuff. And I had uh, another guy in the maintenance department that uh, he showed me how to weld, kind of, like <laughs> – he, uh, he ran some, like one rod of, of 7018 stick and he said, I don't know if that's right, but that's how they want it on the dairy. So do that, <laughs> you know? So that was like my first welding lesson, um, was in the back shop of the meat company. <laughs> I gotcha. So, um, so how, how would you say uh, social media and like social media platforms have kind of influenced the way you uh, run your business of metal fabrication. Oh yeah. I guess that's really what's unique about this go at it. I, I tried another um, fab business out of my garage back in California and it didn't work out and I didn't figure out the social media or the internet side really at all. I, I had a little Etsy shop and really hit the local shows and stuff hard. And decided to spend my time there and it just it didn't work out it costs so much money and takes so much time and energy and labor to get out to a show and get packed up and brought back home that it's just not that profitable and i tried some local um like boutiques and like really high-end furniture design houses where they like have um, interior designers that work there and they carried some of my pieces but they moved so slow that um it just just didn't work the, the math didn't work out so this time around i really decided to focus instead of on these shows and stuff on teaching myself e-commerce and how to drive traffic and what a funnel is and how that works and so that's really been the catalyst of growth here is that my theory is the internet is so huge and so like inclusive that if you're just a little bit successful on the internet, you're going to be like really successful in real life, you know? Um, so I was just like, I'm still just trying to carve out my own corner on, on the web and have an impact there, but I'm really just trying to be like a little teeny tiny bit successful online um, because it magnifies whatever efforts I put in and whatever work I do and put on the internet, it stays there forever. There's so much like evergreen content that I've put up at this point that just keeps pushing back to my website and reinforcing all the other work that I've done online. Um, it really builds. So that's, that's been like the big light bulb is like, Oh my gosh, like brick and mortar's dead, you know, as I sit in this brick and mortar shop, but this whole like brick and mortar place here is funded by the internet. Like this building does not pay for itself at all yet. Like, I mean, we want to get there, but it's really everything we're doing online. We have, uh, uh, eight foot folding table here that we sit three laptops on and that makes all of our money, you know, like it's, that's all we need. And, you know, and of course the, the shop and the, the, the plasma table and whatnot, but like for all these people that are doing the show business and going out and trying to do the old school, you know, I call it hand to hand combat that like in-person face to face sales, just yeah. stop, you know, <laughs> take that weekend the like the you know you take those three days before a show just to like get all this inventory worked up all this stuff figured out and like pack up the car perfect so nothing gets damaged you get to the show you spend two days there you know out in the sun it's like 14 hour days you pack everything up every night so it doesn't get stolen or damaged then you pack up whatever you didn't sell and get it home really carefully and then you have like another day or two unpacking and getting back organized again you know, so a two day show is, is really a six day endeavor. So take those six days and spend it on your website, spend it on YouTube, spend it on Instagram, 
like put the same effort and focus into your internet marketing as you would a show and like watch what happens. Can you think of a major milestone for you in what you've been doing, whether it's on social media or with metal fabricating that may have changed your direction from where you started? You know, I, I don't have any like grand slams. Like there's nothing in this journey that's been like, that was it. Like I went viral. Yay. Like I've never gone viral on anything. Um, I just have like a bunch of base hits, you know, that's, that's part of the, the strategy. It's like, I don't need to knock it out of the park. I don't need to compete with Kanye West. Like I just need to have a couple people find me every day and buy a, f a few signs, you know? Um, so I, I, you know, I, I've always, I set little goals, you know, it's like, this is the next thing just to have something to look forward to. That's just how my brain works. I like having these like milestones and stuff to check off the list, but you know, there's, there's really been no, like, we got a thousand more subscribers. Yay. You know? Um, cause I, I'm pretty lizard brain in that respect. I just look at the math. Like there was a point where we were at like 7,500 followers on Instagram and I was ready to ditch it altogether. Like, and just say, no, it's not worth it. Cause I was doing the math, how much time I was spending on it every day. And it was taking like a good hour and a half, two hours every day. And I started looking at what are the other things I need to be spending my time on that are actually going to make me money? You know, cause eventually you got to get on team green if you're going to be in business for yourself and you got to stop doing everything that doesn't make you money. Um, because like it's really tight in the beginning, especially when you're small and you can't afford to have any missteps or be wasting time on stuff. That's not going to make you money. So, um, I know that's probably not what people want to hear, but like if Instagram or Facebook or YouTube isn't working for you and you don't see it moving in the right direction and it's not making you money, you may be better off spending your time elsewhere. You know, like it doesn't make sense for everybody to do it. And even with the followers I have, I don't make a lot of money off of Instagram, honestly. Like um, it's starting to lead to some like little endorsement deals and stuff. And it's cool to have like people recognize you, but um, that's all ego stuff that doesn't like keep my family fed or like get me health insurance or anything, you know, that real exciting family stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Both of us can relate for sure. But yeah, you know, that's the stuff that matters really is like that has to get taken care of first. Um, so, so yeah, kind of speaking of goals, what kind of goals do you, do you set for yourself, uh, as, you know, as a maker or kind of as a business owner? How do you uh, how do you map out the next projects and prioritize them, or do you have like a benchmark for your your progress? Um, I keep the goals pretty pretty close. You know, I, I usually just try mm -hmm. and set up like a goal for the month or for the week, um, and then every day I have you know little mini goals that I try and check off the list. Um, but it's it's like really easy to underestimate what you can do in a year and overestimate what you can do in a day. So I try not to get too far out in a year because I've made like these year goals before or like this like five-year plan. I remember I was 20, say I was 20 or 21 and I made like a five-year plan and everything in that five-year plan except for getting married happened in six months or eight months. <laughs> like it was just like I, my, my brain can't do this long-term, uh, you know, that long-term type of stuff really. Um, so I just keep it tight. Like we have a, a weekly uh, – revenue like a sales goal that we try and hit um and then every new project i set up little benchmarks so powder coat right now we've been subbing it all out and we're trying to take one color a week so that's what we're doing right now is um we offer three colors to our customers uh gloss clear black and silver so first week we took black second week we took gloss clear and now next week we're going to take silver in house so i just cool. do little manageable stuff like that nothing you know, ginormous, just what's the next problem and how do we fix it? As the owner of a small business, is it difficult to find others with a similar path or trajectory and passion that you have to like kind of feed off of and maybe share victories and even maybe those low times where you're like, man, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Do you have a confidant like that in business? You know, I mean, it's, you say like a confidant in business, but it's so personal for me. 
that it's uh, there's not like a business and a and a personal Adam. There's just Adam. Like um, this is just me all the time, and I really like working, I guess. Um, and I I try and be really optimistic because I don't think negativity is useful. It just it's being negative or sad has never gotten me anywhere or figured anything out for me. So, but being optimistic and positive, you know, that's where I find the solutions and stuff. So I really rely on my wife. She's like humongous in, she manages the day-to-day stuff. Cause I'm like pretty worthless at doing stuff like, you know, I'm clogging the toilet or, um, you know, changing diapers all the time. I mean, like I, I change diapers, but like, she's just like way more in tune with the day-to-day stuff. And she makes sure that like, uh, I have food before I leave in the morning, just stuff that I don't think about. It's like, that's not important to me. I don't care, you know? Um, so she's like pretty much the, the beginning and end of my support system is uh, Stephanie. And that's, you know, Mrs. Maker on Instagram. So, uh, so does your passion like influence uh, some of the employees? Because I've noticed over the past uh, year or six months, I guess, really, y'all really started to bring on some other people. Um, does their their passion uh, influence you, and uh, are you able to kind of influence them, or is it a real good mesh between between y'all? Like, How's that working out? Um, it's a really good mesh. I mean, we have some really good, cool man. people here. Um, that's what's been fun is. If now that I work for myself, it's like, I don't want to dread coming to work. Like that would be stupid. Like I should just go and work for some other idiot. That's going to be a jackass to me. Like, um, so I, I'm pretty picky in like the personality of people that come in here and we try and be really conscious of, of who joins the team. Cause we're weird, you know, and we like to be weird all the time. <laughs> we don't like, you know, I don't like to put on a front or, uh, you know, the super professional buttoned up thing, um, which, I mean, maybe there's a time and a place for that later, but um, not today. We're, we're still kind of quirky and pretty small, and everybody has to uh, subscribe to our philosophy. Otherwise, they, they don't stick around. Um, I have Sarah and Stephanie both tell me that we should, and Dylan actually tell me we should uh, buy a big property and start a commune. And I'm like, that's not a commune, that's a cult. And they're like, that's fine, we can be a cult, I don't care. And I'm like, no, we're not gonna, we're not gonna start a cult. Like, this is not where this is going. So that's about how good we get along <laughs> together and all jive. It's like everybody like is down to even live together at this point on the same big property. Um, and that's not going to happen, but it's cool that everybody has that attitude that like, they look forward to coming to work. We all uh, try to be really nice to each other and, um, nobody ever has bad days on the same day here. So like if one person is struggling, whatever you have going on, you just like buck it up until that person is done with their like little meltdown. Um, and that's been really cool how like emotionally intelligent the people are here and they'll pick up on what's going on with somebody else and just not bring up their own issues and help that person um, get caught up or learn the next skill. Or, um, you know, we even had like people that like quitting smoking cigarettes here. Like, so we're just like really supportive. Like I used to smoke cigarettes. I know like how terrible and tough that is. So there's even personal stuff we try and help each other with. Like um, We've even been on like a company diet before, back when we were back at the house. Uh, Steph was cooking all the meals for everybody because um, we can't pay that well. So we try to stay perky. <laughs> um, and we like, we're like, hey, we're going to start eating healthy. Like, is everybody down? And everybody was like totally cool uh, going like no carb for like three months. And um, so that was pretty fun. We're, yeah, so we're, we're a pretty tight group and I like being here still. That's really That's excellent. Um, so you've surrounded yourself with pretty like-minded people that kind of keep you motivated and rolling and excited for what you're doing. And uh, it sounds like, I mean, you've talked about things like emotional intelligence and everybody being on board with the same things, which is really great. Is there anything physical in your space that helps you all to kind of get pulled back to the point of inception or being pulled back into that spirit of entrepreneurism or, you know, the, the creative side of it? 
Maybe like a giant graffiti robot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, physically, we're, we're in this, this physical transformation right now where we're um, developing a retail space that um, is really, you know, it's probably somewhere where hipsters would go to die. Like, it's, you know, it's going to be, uh, I guess, industrial swank is maybe the vibe we're going for. Industrial I like swank. it. I love yeah, it. but like DIY industrial swank, you know, so like a little rough around the edges because we are in Tennessee and you don't have to be too fancy here. Like uh, you could show up barefoot in coveralls and we would help you make a sign, no problem. Um, but, you know, I guess physically it's just like our style, you know, is uh, um, which is part of the journey is that like we make, we design all of our own stuff here. So, um Everything, I'm still kind of the hub of the wheel. Everybody sits around me and I'm like still training everybody on how to do the stuff as I like, you know, hand it off, you know, because my job is really like look over the hedge, find the next thing, develop that skill or that line or process or whatever, figure out the real tricky stuff that like most people would, would walk away from. And then once I figure it out and it's easy, like that's when it's time to train somebody and hand it off. So I'm constantly like, still personally training everybody in the business. And I think that helps keep everything moving in the same direction because there's not like a general manager person. It's just still me, you I know? That's what makes small businesses really exciting to watch is that there's defined leadership because that solopreneur has then broadened their workspace to include more people, but there's still like ob an obvious point of command that says, okay, this is the direction we want the company to go in and everybody just falls in line. Whereas like, I think sometimes when things get a little bit too big, it's hard for everybody to stay the course in the same direction because people are more self-serving and more interested in where do I go next? And when you have a small business, your team is much more excited about what's gonna happen with the company versus what's going to happen for me personally yeah things like we make here cares that's like you know you pay somebody to work but you can't pay someone to care and you know yeah that's caring is is a big part of it um and then also you kind of talked about this like top down um i guess management model which is based off of the the prussian military model of like i don't know the 1700s or something or maybe even older than that but it's this pyramid where there's one guy at the top and then all information goes through levels and you're not supposed to jump above the person above you and go two levels up too fast because then, you know, you're stepping on their toes or, you know, all that bureaucracy and red tape that pisses people off. So we try to study like the Toyota production model and have more of an attitude. There's nothing here that's not your job. So that's like one thing I tell people the first day they come here is like um, the three things I tell people is, a, quality is the most important thing here. I don't care how fast you are yet. Like, just do everything perfect, and then we'll work on speed later. Let's get you perfect, and then we'll get you fast. The second thing is be safe. Like, I guess safety should be first, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> We're not OSHA. So, like, don't get hurt. There's no reason to get hurt here. There is no reason to get hurt for a job. Like, period, end of story. If you don't feel comfortable, walk away. Um, you know, and then the... Third thing, I already forgot what the third thing was. See how professional I am. Third thing, remembering what it what, what the thing the first two things are. Yeah, remember those first two <laughs> things. That's it. The end. That's awesome. I like it. It's been a long week, guys. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, what were we just talking about? What was that? It was a good thing. I know it was a good thing. You were talking about adopting the Toyota model. And, and not necessarily. Oh yeah, and then the third thing is top down. Yeah, the pyramid. Yeah, the third thing is nothing's not your job. Everything here is your job. Like I literally clean the toilets, I sweep, uh, I grind, I design, I cut stuff out, I weld, I get burnt, I powder coat, I whatever. That's everybody here right now. So those are the three things we do: is quality, safe, and there's nothing that you're above or that's above you. Like you can do it all. Yeah. So, and that works both ways. Like you can, everybody can sweep, but also everybody can learn CAD and design here. Like I don't, if you want to stay late, I'll show you Fusion 360. I'll teach you how to TIG weld after work. Like 
I'll help, you know, you change the exhaust on your truck as like a welding lesson, you know? So yeah, most people focus on the other side of that, like, Oh, I got to clean the toilet. But you know, the, the upside of that is you can literally do anything here. You want to learn how to design the sheets. I'll let you design the sheets. I don't want to do that anymore. You know? Yeah. Well, so speaking of which, uh, you know, designing the sheets and running them on the table, I see, I saw that there's a new addition to the shop this week. Oh yeah, that shop saber. Oh my gosh, that expensive <laughs> little bastard. Oh yeah, we just I you know I I built the did the home built plasma table, and that was awesome. It's totally gotten us to this point, but the electronics mm -hmm. keep frying on it, and it keeps having issues, and I keep driving. How many times now? It's countless, man. It's <laughs> like I've been to Texas to get it repaired. Three, four times? Definitely for sure three times for a fact. And I think four, but I know um, three is not lying. And then I've shipped them back and forth several times and received parts. and Like at this point, I could be a tech for them or Arclight Dynamics because <laughs> Arclight uses their same electronics. Like um, I got a job if this doesn't go well. <laughs> uh, fixing electronics for plasma tables. Um, but during the last breakdown, it, it almost put us under, like we ended up subbing out our cutting, but if we wouldn't have been able to do that, I would have had to refund like three weeks of orders on top of oh, man. doing this move and all the extra cash to move to this new place. So if we wouldn't have subbed it out and figured out, found a good supplier locally, it would have shut the doors. Like that would have been it. So that was the point where I decided I have to have. A more reliable table. So I did some shopping around and they sent me, they hooked me up. They gave me a really good price and a free rush because of my Instagram following. So that's like definitely where Instagram is starting to pay off a little bit is some of these companies look at my following and go, Ooh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll give you free shipping or, you know, we'll give you this, this amount off for a shout out or whatever. So, um, that side's been good, but you know, uh, I, I haven't even hooked it up. I'm like, it's just the money is so, is so it hurts so bad. Um, yeah. It'll be good and it'll help our production. Um, but we don't have enough business to run two tables. Like we don't like, we really just have that new table. So we're not down again. It's not like we're so big and busy that we needed two tables. Cause we need to run two tables. Like I wish that's why we bought a second table. So that's why I'm kind of upset yeah. about it is, the goal was to fill up a whole table and then need another table, not build a crappy table to begin with and then need another table. So we got to have goals, right? <laughs> totally. Yeah. So now I got two tables and I better fill both of them up at the same time. Be good. Yeah, that would be good. So, uh, how would, so if someone, if someone kind of came to you, uh, and was, was asking how they would get into plasma tables and all that stuff, how would you recommend, like, what would be the best, course of action for them to kind of get started with uh you know metal fabrication in general like like get started so, you're talking total noob like yeah like I'm a, like I'm me a, i'm a woodworker I'm and a wood i want to make metal yeah. pieces <laughs> yeah is that what you're saying basically um where to start really you know? get a thousand bucks together <laughs> to start because <laughs> you're like you sound like dave ramsey i mean metal's just <laughs> slow and expensive that's it really is what it is but you can get started mm -hmm. with a flux core welder and an angle grinder that's those are the two tools you need it and you can get started and start making some cool table bases and you know some really cool stuff it'll just take a long time um but a new uh flux core welder definitely get 220 volt make yourself a little drier pigtail uh, 110 welders are not worth anything like 110 is for sewing machines. It's not for welders. Um, so get a 220 welder. Um, I started with a used Hobart, um, off a job site. So it doesn't have to be fancy and then an angle grinder. So used, you can get like maybe 400 bucks and be in business. Then you have to buy some steel. Um, you can always find scrap steel for cheap or free uh, just to get started. Or if you want to buy a new welder and have a new grinder and some new steel, you're looking at a thousand bucks. But that's all you need: a flux core welder, an angle grinder with you know cutoff wheel, grinding wheel, flap disc, and um, some metal. And in, you can any good resources on on where somebody to to kind of teach you or show you? Or any recommendations on that? Oh yeah, uh, 
Jody Collier, WeldingTipsAndTricks.com, Weldmonger, what I don't know his IG handle, but WeldingTipsAndTricks.com. That guy has all the YouTube videos with the killer arc shots. Um, I've tried to get arc shots like him, and I, it's like you need a way better camera than I have. But yeah, if you want to learn, he is he's the business. I've got a, a video on flux core welding, which is like good for down and dirty uh, shop stuff. Um, and that can be found on maker table YouTube, but I'm no authority. Like, you know, maybe in flux core, I have some, a lot of experience, but if you want to learn TIG, MIG, pulse, aluminum, exotics, Jody Collier yeah. is the man. I gotcha. Well, cool, man. I got one more question for you, which is just, where is your current shop? And that I was going to kind of lead that into, um, you know, just kind of giving yourself a shout out, you know? Because you guys are now going to be a storefront, right? Yeah, we have a new retail space going in in Springfield, Tennessee on uh, 103 10th Avenue East. Come by and see us. We're not quite open yet, uh, but I think about three weeks and we'll be here. So there's there's another one of my little goals is like be open for retail in three weeks and fill all the orders on time. <laughs> Um, well, the good the good news is, is uh, this podcast will probably actually drop by the time this podcast drops. Uh, you guys should be open because <laughs> I think it's going to wind up being about a month oh, for this one to drop. Yeah, perfect. Well then, if you're yeah. listening to this, come and see us because we're here. <laughs> I mean, we're here regardless. Um, and then, as always, people can follow us on Instagram at maker.table. That's where you can see all of the behind the scenes, the fun stuff, um, the day to day. You know trials and tribulations and the victories too and man i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie I, you you guys are probably one of the few that i i every time i open instagram I'm like okay i gotta see if they've done anything today because <laughs> it's all it's always funny it's always interesting you know i like i like uh, kind of keeping up with what, what y'all are doing because it's definitely very very interesting group of folks <laughs> that's what we're after is we try and be the odd ducks the interesting ones yeah, I saw that uh, tree that y'all cut out the other day. That was pretty. It's pretty awesome. Six foot, you said? Dude, yeah. Stephanie just comes out of the woodwork. She's like, uh, with all these huge orders, um, she sold like a seven foot round one time, and I had to break the news to her that we only have a five foot wide table. Um, <laughs> but she like already sold it, so uh, we got it subbed out to a bigger company and had them cut it for us, but. Um, she's like fearless when it comes to the big stuff. I'm always like, can we ship it? Can we do that? I don't know. Like, uh, if we can, and she's like, yeah, no problem. Send us your money. <laughs> and then she'll like <laughs> Done. hand me the project here. You have to make this work. Um, but yeah, so she's, I see, it seems like a good thing though. A good motivate, good motivator, uh, to kind of push you along. Yeah. Definitely keeps things interesting. You never get bored with her around. That's good. That's good. Cool. And thanks for letting me be on your show, dude. This is pretty exciting stuff no thank you man i really appreciate you giving us your time yeah thanks for coming by adam this was so great thank you i know you've been really busy cool that was a great interview heidi um i just can't you know what i'm so blown away by him yeah it was absolutely blown away the hustle is hard with him. I mean, I don't, I don't know that he actually owns a bed to sleep in. I think he sleeps on the table. Him, his whole family, man. He's got them all involved. Yeah, it's, it's so great. It is fantastic. And then actually, uh, I think I just saw that they hired their third employee, minus him and his oh. wife. So now there's five of them, and that yeah. was just fantastic. Yeah, it was really interesting to hear about his mantra and why he hires who he hires and the yeah. type of environment that he wants to have that it's not just you know your typical like i don't know manufacturing facility he's he's they, really been have focusing on making sure yeah he's been yeah. focusing on making sure it feels like family but also it has a really good productivity model and I just don't think that you hear about that very often. I don't either. I really like the fact um, that they that he is so driven to let anybody do anything if they have the drive to do it as well. He'll mm-hmm. stay late. He'll be there early. He'll help them out on the weekends. He'll teach somebody to weld, design, whatever it takes. And that right there, I think, is one of the best traits that you could have in a business that there are no limitations because everyone everyone can do anything they really set their mind to. And that's really inspiring to me, I think. And I, I just saw that 
this past weekend, um, I think it was Friday, Thursday, they had a ribbon cutting. And he did it with none other than an angle grinder and a giant metal ribbon. So No way. That was pretty cool. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, that was one of the, the, the really cool things. And then I think Saturday they had their grand opening where they gave away like 100 mustaches or something crazy like that, little mustache keychain bottle openers. So. Oh, cool. Yeah, I wish I lived closer yeah, to Tennessee. You know, <laughs> it's, it's so fun. And the thing is, is like, I loved going back. Like when you first were talking about interviewing him, I didn't know who he was and I, I wasn't familiar with his business, but going back and watching some of his videos from what was it like 2015, 2016, when he first decided like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm just going to try and do this thing. And I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm going to record my progress Yeah, and, and seeing his, his journey develop over time. Yeah. Yeah, It's unedited. It's like, ah, that, that plasma head just fell off the machine because I didn't have it, have the coordinates right. You know, like those, those kind of things, it's so relatable. And it's like, in some ways, you know, the guy is like ridiculously smart, ridiculously driven, ridiculously talented. Yes. But he's also, he feels approachable and it feels like he's, he's showing you that it's possible even when you have no friggin' clue what you're doing. Yeah. Very down to earth guy. So, it, I mean, mm-hmm. it was just, it's fantastic to see how he developed. And uh, it, it's been great to see that you really can build something like this from the from the ground up. Uh, mm-hmm. Not to infringe on Keith Decent, but you really can. <laughs> <laughs> you can. We you love can, you, Keith. Yes. <laughs> and you can really, uh, you can really take, uh, you know, a welder and uh, some metal scraps, build you a table and get started uh, out of your garage. And I think he ran that table for well over a year and a half, two years and mm-hmm. he's gone through several different, you know, problems and errors and things of that nature, but it's still working and cranking out stuff, and he's still able to keep up with it and have these these unique custom designs for his customers. And it's been it's been great to see him develop over over the past year or so, and be able to follow that through his YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. So if anybody's interested in seeing what he's been doing, you can follow him on Maker Table. <laughs> He's on YouTube and on Instagram. Yeah. And he's he's got a great I think his Instagram's probably more uh his device now to communicate with his audience. Definitely. He still posts from time to time on YouTube, but for the most part he's moved to the Instagram platform and I think it's really helped a lot for him to just kind of like show snapshots of where his day is and, you know, a little bit about his business and who's who his clientele is and Yes. It's, been great. it's actually a really fun watch. Yeah, I he's one of the ones that I probably tune into on a regular basis on Instagram. Uh, These daily yeah. stories that they put out are fun and quick, but very, yeah, and he's very motivating. Cons- yeah, he's got a contagious attitude. He does. He really does. Yeah, in a good way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So, uh, time for doo, 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 the Fortnite forecast. <laughs> I did a little. little I need the uh, I need the trumpet like Tim Sway. <laughs> we just need kazoos. That's that's that, the end of it. Oh, that'd be good. So Jake, what's your forecast? Well, baby is probably number one on the list. I will be catching a baby at some point in the next two weeks. I'm fairly positive. If not, I guess it'll be the two weeks after that. But uh, <laughs> that's number one on the list. Other than that, I've got a couple of small little things to cut out on the X-Carve. Uh, the shop is super clean, so I really don't want to go out in it and screw it up. Um, <laughs> maybe dial in the uh, – I have to dial in the planer. Uh, one, it, so it actually rides on four columns, um, and, and one of the columns is sticking a little bit, and I don't know exactly what the best method of lubrication is to get it to uh, – raise and lower at a, a level or a level height to the cutting head so sometimes when you raise it or lower it it can get um out of wampus. yeah you get a little cattywampus and so you get like a trapezoid instead of a parallel cut <laughs> mm-hmm. but um, really like that. yeah and other than that that's pretty much what i have on my schedule not a whole lot because uh, the baby's gonna take precedent i'm sure sweet how about sweet. you well, we are leaving tomorrow morning for Charleston, South Carolina. Another vacation? 
Yeah, you know, like we didn't do one last year. We started our business and so we did pretty much staycations all year. And this year we saved up a little bit of money and we usually go with friends. So we all share this giant beach house in the Isle of Palms. And Ben is uh, excited and I'm excited. And Carver keeps saying like, we're going to the beach. <laughs> so uh, we're going to the beach. And it'll be Carver's first time at the ocean, so that's going to be a really interesting time. But um, the trip's not without work, right? So yeah. we've got a lot of hustling that we're trying to do with like some online stuff and get some things updated with the website and um, get the blog back up. So we've been having some trouble, technical difficulties with our blog. Oh, no. Where, I, yeah, I've written like three or four, and the text just keeps getting wiped. So... That's why you haven't heard from me in that medium for a bit. But hopefully just like that, that downtime at the beach will give us time to just kind of recharge our batteries and yeah, get back into good. it. Ben's got a project for um, one of our own in the maker community where he's working on an elephant. It's an elephant bandsaw box. And that video is going to be coming up soon he's got to just finish a little bit of it and then he's got to polish it and and add like whatever finished compounds he's going to use on it i'm assuming he's probably just going to do like spray lacquer or something because it's really nice beautiful walnut awesome yeah so he's got that going and i get to edit that video fun uh and then i've got a kiln to fire and I've got stuff to glaze, so I'm sure like a week we come back from the beach, I'll be doing some live streams about that process. That'll be fun. And um, yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens with your mug, man. Yeah, hopefully. That, that I mean, should be a reveal at the end of the month. Yeah, that'll be that'll be pretty exciting. I'm I'm excited to see how it turns out. Yeah, and I'm being interviewed on a on another podcast, which is kind of cool. Yeah, once once they get their name determined and links and everything, I'll share a little bit more about that. But my interview will be uh, this week where I will just be talking about what we do as a business and what kind of things we sell, which is for people outside of the community is kind of unique because there aren't too many people that sell sculptural work. Yeah. And um a lot of people don't realize all of the things that we're capable of doing in-house here. So with the platter cutter and, you know, all the different types of saws we have and everything else, I think, um, you know, sharing a little bit of that insight and growing our community is really important. Definitely. So I'm excited to do that. Sounds like a lot of fun. Can't wait to hear it. I think so. With all yeah, these podcasts, yeah, I might have to, uh, all these podcasts going on, I might have to start scheduling in my podcast time with you a little more. A little yeah. <laughs> whatever back-to-back -back recording <laughs> sessions well we've been talking a little bit about starting a patreon and we went through and we actually did start our patreon accounts and we've been doing some brainstorming about what the community might enjoy from us and if you want to get in on the ground level and support us now prior to us kind of getting everything figured out you can do that by visiting our website on Patreon. Yeah, we have a link to our Patreon uh, on our website, and you could also go to patreon.com slash origin point, and that'll direct you to our um, our Patreon account. And we're trying to kind of get all the tiers set up so that way we can have different benefits for different members, um, for different monetary values. And then if you want to just do a dollar a month, we're talking about doing a sneak preview for the next episode. And that way you can kind of get a preview of the guests that we're going to have in a couple of weeks. And you can get a little uh, sneak peek at maybe the what they do, what they work on, and who they are before we talk to them. And that way you have a little more reference. And I think that way we can uh, kind of help our listeners get a little better associated with some of our guests. And... I think that that will be a, a really good way for our listeners to kind of not only get a sneak preview, but then as well, they could also ask some questions if we haven't recorded yet. And that would be a really fun thing to do, I think. Uh, I think that kind of getting our listeners involved in the questioning part, because I'm sure some people have questions, and we'd love to be able to get everyone a little more involved and kind of see what... Um, you know what the questions are that people have for these different guests or suggestions on guests as well. So I think that that'll be a 
cool little addition to kind of help. So if you're interested in helping us keep this going, because we essentially we're looking at, we'll see if there's an interest in it and we'll keep going if people are interested. And then we realize that there are some monetary costs involved with having a podcast, including hosting fees and all that jazz. And so even just a little bit goes a long way. So if you're interested in helping us out, that's awesome. If not, we're going to continue to be free, but we definitely want to give some bonus content to those who are really, really enjoying what we're doing. Yeah. So thanks so much for listening. Even if you don't want to support us on Patreon, a really great way to help us out would be to just share the show with your friends and family. Uh, share the link on Facebook, your Instagram, Twitter, whatever, and just you know maybe go check out our guests and you know tell them, hey, we heard your interview. We really liked you know how you got started. So you know there are a lot of ways to support the show, and we appreciate all of them. So y'all have a great week, and we'll see you in two next fortnight you see you next fortnight <laughs> i feel like i feel like at the end of these we're always just uh cutting up and you know i think a plasma table is probably the most bad way to cut up ah, dad jokes dad jokes man but i said bad and that i'll have to bleep it out okay <laughs> it's fine you want to say it again i don't care um I feel like that was the most metal interview we've ever had. Oh, <laughs> dad jokes. Yep. Uh, <laughs> let's see here. We could call we could call Adam Captain Plasma. <laughs> you might like that. I think dad that might work. Jokes. Yep. <laughs> Captain Plasma. Captain we Pla- need a theme song. Da da dun da da dun. No, I don't know. Um...